here in the heart of the jungle, we find one of the most interesting creatures of its kind. Amazon PPC Advertising. Buried deep amongst the undergrowth with its campaigns and targeting, lay hazards like keywords without conversions, unprofitable ad spend, and a mountain of ever-evolving complexity. But if you look beyond the obstacles of life here, there is hope and opportunity. We will journey to every corner of Amazon ads to explore and share the greatest treasures the jungle has to offer. This is the Amazon PPC Den Podcast. What's going on, Badger Nation? Welcome to the PPC Den Podcast, your home of the longest-running Amazon advertising-focused podcast in the universe. Uh, today, I'm joined by Emma from Marketing by Emma. Uh, Emma, it's so great to have you back on the show. Uh, this time, I did not ask you to say what's going on, Badger Nation, at the same time as me. Uh, it proved to be more difficult than I thought it would be with subsequent guests. So it was like always hard to coordinate. Um, but anyway, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing great. Uh, by the way, I love the trucker hat, the Ad Badger trucker hat that you all sent after last week. I wear it to go yes. hiking all the time and I feel so cool and trendy. It's a pretty <laughs> sturdy, it's a pretty sturdy hat, I won't lie. Uh, it, it's good at sun protection for sure. <laughs> oh, uh, I mean, I, I, I feel like the coolest person whenever I'm wearing it. And even my husband, Ares, is like, that's a cool hat. You look a- good in that hat, so. <laughs> right on. <laughs> Thanks for the merch. Oh yeah, um, I always think think of you and think of your company and think of your services because I feel like it fits such an hyper important need in the industry, which is the creative side of growth on Amazon. You know, I think this is an Amazon PPC down in the weeds show. We talk about spreadsheets. Uh, I have to tell people to. Um, you know, listen to this with a notepad or like taking notes, like doing the process along with it. So like we're so down in the weeds here. And I think people really enjoy that nitty gritty. What's the calculation? What's the formula? What's the um, process that I do in order to like, you know, increase my conversion rate in my advertising or improve my ACoS in my advertising. And then I think when they get to create the creative optimization, like the product page optimization, which is insanely important. Uh, They can often feel like uh, they get stopped or they, you know, they have the fight flight or freeze response. Do you experience that a lot? Uh, Like when people eventually come to you, have they already gone on this journey? They're like, oh man, I got to optimize my product page. Fortunately, we get to interact with people at all stages, so we don't always have the mayday calls. Those are common, you know, oh my gosh, I was at the top for so long and now I'm just losing ground and what do I do? But I think also the way that Amazon and selling on Amazon has evolved over time, more and more people are seeing the importance of figuring this out. But I think one of those pieces that's 
still lost on a lot of people, even the ones that understand the value and having really incredible graphics and super strong A-plus content and a really dialed in listing is, is that this isn't something that's static. And just because you had a listing that functioned really well in the past doesn't mean that it's just going to work that way forever. And even if it's not necessarily having a problem, there's a lot of value in continuing to keep an eye on how your listing is functioning because it is one of those points that you can look at to see the health of your business as a whole. And then furthermore, you know, when we think about kind of the broader world of retail, and if you were to go into a store and they never changed the decorations and they never, you know, updated the music or anything like that, it would feel off-putting. Like you would expect to have a different experience when you walk into a store in July versus the end of November. And if you go to a website that isn't Amazon, you're also going to experience something different. And if you look at an Instagram page, all of those things, they have a seasonal component and also just a current in the moment component of what people care about, are talking about, and are thinking about now. And for some reason, brands don't really treat their Amazon product pages that way. And I think the ones that do really see the benefit in, you know, giving it a little bit more constant attention and allowing them that is then allowing them to be able to not just maintain strong performance, but even to stay ahead of everybody else that's chomping at the bit and trying to steal their top spot. That's so well said. And I think that's a perfect segue to the topic of the show today, because I get this a lot, and I think a lot of people have said this uh, in conversations that I've had, where you know they're coming to us talking about PPC performance, and you know they've maybe they've been listening to this show about PPC optimization for a year, uh, and then they're like, "Hey, can you take a look at my account? Like, what's going on over here?" And we crack it open, and like they've do they've done all the things, they've done like pretty much everything in their PPC account. And then it's like, well, why, even though that maybe the technical setup on the PPC campaigns, the structure is good, why is it that maybe results are less than we want them to be? Or even why have they declined over time? And then one of the first things that we might do is sort of take a look at the product page versus the competition, where it fits into the market, that kind of thing. And then sometimes the response is, oh, I've already optimized my product page in 2019, uh, that, that kind of thing. So I think what we wanted to do today for you, dear listener, is to sort of take a look at three places in your Amazon account, three places that will give you quantifiable data, actual data points that could indicate very strongly that a product page refresh or product page optimization is due. So with all that said, let's jump into it. Okay, Emma. So when we were prepping for the show, we were thinking of some of these metrics that would indicate that a product page needs some refreshing. But before we talk about the the metrics, I almost want to talk start with the end in mind. So we're going to take a look at these metrics and people will probably look at these metrics at home and just to give us an idea of what it means, so if someone is sitting at home um, and they are sort of about to listen to these metrics, what can they expect after they look at these metrics? It, it, meaning, 
if our metrics are sort of out of whack, what does that actually mean? Yeah. To me, one of the biggest sort of indicators that all of these metrics relate back to is that you are failing to connect with the customer in some way mm. and you're not facilitating a, a good, clear communication. And so even though a product page is just sitting there on the internet, a good product page is helping to create a dialogue between the person looking for something and the thing that you are selling. And so if you're, if one of these data points seems to be problematic, then there's likely a mismatch that's happening. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make is forgetting that it's not really the job of the listing to delight them. Unless they are truly their target customer, the job is to inform and delight the customer. And so there may be a really big gap between those two things. And so I think that's also a trap that people can fall into when they say, oh, my listing is fine because it looks good to them. It makes their product sound impressive. It makes their brand sound attractive. And so why would you need to change that? However, if we don't always have the customer first, then we can really fall into a a problematic position that may lead to some of these numbers, you know, declining or or getting to a place that indicates that your account maybe isn't as healthy as you'd like it to be. Right, right, right. Perfect. So let's jump into this first metric, which uh, this has been talked about here on the PPC Den podcast for the last, like probably every other episode since it's come out a couple months ago, which is the search query performance dashboard. Uh, There is a mountain of insight and data in the search query performance dashboard that has kind of been unmatched in any other Amazon place, any other Amazon report uh, than ever before. This is by and large, probably my going to be my favorite update of 2022 um almost had to think what year we were in but uh (laughs) this is definitely my it was like 2021 i was about to say 2021 um but yes this has been my favorite update of the year how about i just don't say a year um which is the search query performance dashboard and i think it's awesome like this was actually a report that when we were planning this episode that actually you suggested and me like the ppc guy didn't and I it just goes to show you like how powerful this report is that you can pull insight from here to then determine if your product page needs updating or not so this is awesome have you started to like look at this periodically or like how have you first reacted to this and how does it relate to sort of product page improvement product page optimization yeah I think it's such a valuable tool to have at your disposal because it's really showing you how your listing funnel is functioning and where you might have leaks in the funnel that need patching or repairing. So we primarily work, I wouldn't say primarily, but a large percentage of the people that we work with are launching new products, new brands. And so this isn't as helpful in the stage that we're engaging with them in. But if you have a product that is already selling on Amazon, there's a mountain of data here that can help you figure out 
where am I failing? And it's really interesting. I've actually, I've been studying up. I'm in the process of sort of leaning into a new project myself um, and launching a, a YouTube channel. Oh, yeah. And I've been seeing so many parallels here. And so, I mean, if you want, we can just jump into what one of the first metrics yeah. is. Do you want to take it? Let's do it. So, you know, one of the first indicators that your listing needs some optimizing. And this is something that it, it's a little bit easier. Some of the other things that we're talking about may require a little bit uh deeper understanding of you know what good marketing can look like but this is something that you with a, you know if you carve out a little bit of time after this episode you could already start having some ideas of what you might want to test and that is if your click through rate is low compared to your impressions and what your uh, market share has so if that is essentially saying you have the opportunity to be getting all of these eyeballs into your listing and you are doing something wrong that is keeping more people from clicking into your listing. So like I equate that when I'm le learning about YouTube to like the thumbnail and like, you know, is the thumbnail going to be attention grabbing? And so that same thing is going to translate when it comes to your listing. So you don't have a lot to work with there. You have your main image, you have your reviews, you have your title, your price, if you have a coupon. So, you know, there there are a number of elements there that you could use to at your disposal to drive more clicks into your listing. Of course, your reviews are something that that's like a long-term push. So we're, we're not going to be able to change those overnight, at least not a white hat. Right. <laughs> we're not going to be able to do that. Yeah. Uh, so you touched on something that I think all three uh, of the categories of metrics we'll talk about uh, have in common, that it's all sort of relative to either where you were previously or relative to your competition, which is why this report is so fantastic. Um, because, you know, if you have strong impressions, but then people aren't clicking. So, you know, you have a big share of impressions, but then a below average share relative to your competition. Uh, of click-through rate, that's an indication that like, hey, the thing that you're putting out there up front isn't connecting. So it's like a sign to maybe go back and refresh some of these things. The second metric in the search query performance dashboard is like the next step of the funnel and looking at it with the product optimization lens. Let's say people did click on it. So you had strong impressions, strong click-through rate, people did click on it, but then they didn't add to cart so like you can now sort of see the stepwise funnel on a per keyword basis uh you know for any particular term it's like how is my impression share relative to my competition okay it was above average how is my click-through rate compared to my competition okay it was above average it's a good indicator that i have a good potentially good price good title good stars good image and then all of a sudden, if you notice a below average share of your add to cart, that's an indicator that something happened on that page that that had led to a drop off there. And we've never really had this data in such a clean way on a per keyword basis. So you can start to piece that together. And there's so many qualitative types of analyses that you can run there where it's like, okay, for, well, for this keyword, I fall off the map when it comes to add to cart. So like something was missing on that page that 
didn't connect with what the person was searching. Um, but maybe for this other term, I am. So that can sort of inform this decision. So again, like the whole point of this episode is to really start looking at some of these metrics relative to the competition and inform that sort of, I mean, it's giving you data for a creative process, which I think for a lot of data junkies that listen to this show, it's going to be so helpful because it's like, you know, you can look at a product page, you can scratch your chin, you can be like, yeah, it looks pretty good to me. Uh, it ticks all the boxes. I have the checklist. But then if you go and you look at the search query performance dashboard, you have a strong click-through rate, but, you know, relative to competition. And then like it just dive bombs on add to cart. There's your data point that like it's time to initiate the creative process. So people like me, this is like so exciting to me because it's like, oh, yeah, sometimes I just look at it and I sort of have to guess if it needs improvement. Uh, But like to actually have data, this is like I'm so excited. No, I agree with you. Even just listening to you speak about it, it's like bringing me back to when I first learned about this report coming out. And I'm just like, wow, this is a whole area that I think, you know, everybody has been sort of like anxiously hoping that Amazon would give insights to. And, you know, with with creative, one of the challenges is, is that there are multiple right answers if you are purely just trying to create something that is going to serve this function. And so because there are multiple right answers, you don't always 100% know if you are going in the right direction because it could be this, it could be that, it could be some other thing. And so with data like this, you get that direct feedback that says like, yeah, this is, you're heading in the right path and like maybe lean into that even more and see what happens then. Or this isn't quite as, like that might look great, but this isn't quite as uh, persuasive as it really needs to be in order to win over this group of people. And especially considering that Amazon is, you know, someone types a, a search query into the search box and then they want to buy something it is not a tool that anybody really wants to be just kind of like window shopping on it's not beautiful in that you know you can go to instagram if you want to just kind of browse things and get inspired you go to amazon because you know i have a need i want this thing and i want to find that thing And so this data allows you to be able to get insights into, you know, are you maybe not um, anticipating some objections that customers might have? Are you failing to really call out some key differences that would make this the obvious choice? Are you making your product too similar to everybody else and that everybody else has more reviews and a cheaper price? And so how can you be competitive if there's if you really have nothing to sink your teeth into and you can begin to actually kind of like experiment with those things and then see how that is truly impacting your performance instead of just needing to rely on uh, conversion rate as the end all be all. Absolutely. Uh, so with that said, search query performance dashboard, uh, we've talked about it on the show before. I'm going to talk about it again. We're talking about it now. If you're not, not comfortable with it, like, time to crack it open and start taking a look. And it's cool that you can now, you know, use this lens of 
what is it tell, what is it telling me about my product page? Uh, the next thing, um, the sort of second bucket of metrics are metrics that can come from brand metrics. Uh, so again, if you're unfamiliar with this, uh, brand metrics lives in like the advertising tab of your account. Uh, and by the way, search query performance dashboard lives in the brand analytics section. Uh, this brand metrics, even though it sounds like it might be in the brand analytics is actually not there. It's in the advertising section. And when you get there, there's a whole bunch of data points, but uh, we were thinking that just one of them is probably the most indicative that a product page needs a refresh. Yeah. And that metric Customer. was, oh, yes. <laughs> Go, <laughs> I didn't know I was, if you wanted me to I say was, it or not. <laughs> I was queuing you up. And that metric is dot, dot, dot. Customer conversion rate. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, so yeah, before this report, we had session rate, which was close. And now we have like actual data on like how many of these product page views ended up in an order, uh, which is of course different than session rate, which is how many sessions ended up in an order, which can kind of get a little murky. Um, why this number isn't next to <laughs> the session rate in the other report, uh, you'll have to you know, write someone <laughs> at support. But uh, customer conversion rate, how do you think about customer conversion rate? And when does it actually become an indicator that a product page is due for a refresh? So customer conversion rate is how many customers are actually buying your product. So that should be one of the things that you're paying closest attention to. And particularly if you, like something that I see, I would say more and more frequently in the last really year uh, especially, are people that they're sort of like the OGs of Amazon. You know, they got in early, maybe 2015, 2016. They were riding high. They have tons of reviews. They're at the top of the search results page. Like everything is great. They're unbreakable. And then suddenly a scrappy newcomer or scrappy newcomers come along and they're hungry They've been listening to the Ad Badger podcast. They've been educating themselves and they are intent on knocking that person out of the top spot. And they're optimizing their listings and they're doing all those things that, you know, you haven't really had to do because it's been comfortable at the top. And now your conversion rates are sinking and they're, you know, you're losing traction and you're spending more money on PPC and you're, it's just everything sort of feels like a little bit like a mayday, like an emergency is happening. What, what do we do? And, and so ideally you want to be paying attention to some of these other things first before, you know, so that you can sort of stave off uh, a big drop. But this is a really good sign. And because you also can see what the category average is, you're able to get a sense of whether your conversion rate is healthy for um, the category that you're selling in. So that's another kind of question that's sort of different from what I was just talking about, where a lot of people are kind of wondering, what should I be aiming toward? What is even a reasonable conversion rate to expect because if you're selling um 
you know, in a really hyper competitive niche like supplements, the conversion rate that you're going to be able to expect is going to be incredibly different than if you're selling in some really, uh, you know, small niche space that doesn't have a lot of competitors. And so also being able to set realistic goals for what you can aim towards and then be able to plan uh, you know, financials and, and pricing and everything around that, like that starts to get into something beyond my field of expertise. But uh, I think there's a lot of really important decisions that can be made from just a couple of numbers there. For sure. And I think if you, and I think it's very reasonable to look at the search query performance dashboard and get overwhelmed uh, because it doesn't do a great job at giving you the takeaway. It's a lot of data. It's a lot of rows. You can't export it. You have to copy and paste it into a Google sheet. Uh, it's not in the API, so it can't, it's not found in any tool. So it's like just sitting right there and it's like hard to get. And then even still, even if you are looking at it, you, you might be you know above average for one keyword and below average for another. It's like very difficult to, to pull it out. What's so powerful about the brand metrics customer conversion rate is because it tells you what yours is per for the category or subcategory and what the median is and sometimes the top percentile of conversion rate. So it sort of takes all of the, imagine it, it just sort of summarizing everything, all of your clicks, and then sort of saying, this is your conversion rate for this category for all of your clicks. And this is what your competition's median is. Like if you are below average for the median, it's a super strong, super, that's like the red light warning sign that it's time to, that your product page is not as competitive for the terms that you're going after relative to your competition. Like to me, that's like black and white nail in the coffin time to work on these things for sure. Let's get to the last metric which is return rate. So when you're thinking about product page improvements, product page delivery, connecting with the customer story, all those things that you mentioned, how does it come back to return rate? So we've sort of left brand analytics, we've left the advertising dashboard, and now we're looking at a general business metric, return rate. Yeah, so you know your sale isn't finalized just because you convert someone in the online world. Of course, mm-hmm. offline as well, but I think it's even more so when you're selling a product over the internet that just because they bought it does not mean that they are keeping it. And so it's still your job to make sure that that sale sticks. And sometimes, you know, you're going to run into a customer that likes to return things. You know, you can't you can't eliminate all returns. That's unreasonable. That everybody's going to have a certain degree of returns. However, if you are having a lot of returns that are citing things like not as described or inaccurate color or sizing or things like that, that is suggesting that there's something going on with your product page that is giving a customer a false impression of what your product actually is. And so it's not just looking at the the return rate as a whole, but seeing if there is an uptick or if there's a higher proportion of returns around some of these specifics, then that 
that should indicate to you that you need to do a better job at at the very least discouraging those types of people from buying your product because it's does you no good if you're convincing someone to buy a product that doesn't fit their needs. That's not only creating an issue and cost of returns, but it's also opening you up to, uh, you know, poor reviews and stressful Mm -hmm. customer service interactions. And you don't want to be wasting your time doing that. Uh, But then, of course, if there are other ways that you can even kind of figure out to provide clear information to set yourself apart, or I was actually a part of a panel at Prosper the Prosper show a couple of years ago uh, with a, a company and I thought they did something so interesting, which is they sell pajamas and they were getting a lot of returns and negative reviews saying these pro- this product is too sheer. It's see-through. And rather than just saying, okay, we need to kind of scrap this product and, you know, just re- you know manufacture a new batch that's not as sheer, they actually said, wait a minute. Some people want really lightweight, sheer pajamas, especially if they're hot sleepers. And so rather than trying to, you know, re re finagle that, they actually said that this could be a unique selling point for us and something that we could lean into. And so it went from a failing product to a total success because they actually really embraced that customer feedback and then re-optimized their listing and took new photos to really make that a benefit of the product. And so even when you have negative feedback in the form of reviews or returns, if if you just get defensive and say, oh, well, they're just stupid and they don't know what they're talking yeah. about, you're really doing yourself a, a huge disservice. And there's likely some valuable information that you could take there to make a stronger product page and and really in, increase the um, health of your business as a whole. That was an amazing takeaway there. I mean, we've got everything from like, I mean, I, I imagine if they were just going to like scrap that inventory and almost say like, oh, it's defective. Like we messed up in building this product and just sort of scrapped it or liquidated it versus actually saying, wait a second, this is a, a feature, not a bug. And then just sort of stepping into that and sort of saying like, yeah, this is the, this, if you want this, we've got it for you. And it's amazing. Right. At it. Um, so interesting. Well, and yeah. You know, the, the other thing is, is that some people might say, okay, well, we're going to put a disclaimer, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, there would be that middle ground of like, we're going to let you know it's sheer, but more as a like, make sure you know this type of thing rather than fully embracing that as actually something that makes it different. And I think that's what was also such an interesting choice that they made that I always really, you know, it's like there's the obvious kind of things that you might be able to do, but if you can really take a step back, kind of think bigger, there could be so many possibilities that you're just not even considering, even when faced with what feels like a really annoying, frustrating, expensive problem. That is, yeah. And then also having the business maturity to sort of not just shut down, like to actually listen to the feedback and then come up with a plan to do something about it. That's going to be like most productive for the company and most helpful to customers like 
that was that's pretty powerful. Um, yeah, I hats off to them. They're yeah. I mean they are a, a very solid business. Um, so, yeah, but there's a lot to learn. Right on. And um, the other thing too is, you know, even if the even if someone's feedback or return rate isn't that clear and obvious, you know, because it might be maybe might seem a little ambiguous, like, hmm, like, what's going on here? Bringing it back to like, what do we actually do to optimize the product page? I also think that because people might go and look at their return rate, scratch their head and be like, is this good or bad? How do I know it's an indicator that my page needs updating? I think this idea of like, well, maybe if it's rising year over year, maybe the market you know, is evolving. Maybe the way that people are searching for this particular product has evolved. And it's simply, if it's just going up year over year, that could be an indicator that, hmm, maybe something, maybe a new competitor has shown up that sort of like took that little piece of the market away from me. Uh, or like maybe they're providing a little bit of value for that particular aspect on their product page and I need to sort of reinforce that you know my actual component is actually stronger in that one regard so I think it could help I know it's a it's a little tough to sort of say like at least with customer conversion rate and brand metrics it told you yours and the competition so it can be a little bit murkier when it comes to just return rate so I think looking at it studying it if it's going up, if you, you know, if it doesn't feel right, if it's, you know, too much, because it can vary from industry to industry too. Um, so I think that was a, a little tricky one. So if someone is listening to the show and they want to use that as a data point, what would you say to them, like to try to help them determine if this is a product page issue? Like, is there any component that maybe we can bridge for them? So I think looking at the reasons why, like if you have a disproportionate Mm -hmm. amount of things like product not as described, which if you have too many of those, Amazon will also let you you know know. about it. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, if it gets too high, it's not just your problem anymore. That's perfect. But I would also say that like, this can also be something that, we're talking a lot about, okay, if there's a problem, then you might want to optimize. But you could also treat it in the opposite direction. Whereas if I'm optimizing it, can I impact this number? And so it can also help inform and give you some sense of, okay, I'm not just making this choice because it looks better or because I'm taking advantage of this new feature, but I'm making this choice and it is also helping me to be able to impact that number in a positive way. Uh, So I think that's the other way you can use it. Yeah. You know, there's a, I mean, we could do an entire episode on just like what metrics will you improve if you're able to move your conversion rate, even 5% from a 10% conversion rate to a 10.5%. Uh, percent conversion rate, like just moving it ever so slightly. So like the actual point difference isn't that big, um, but what kind of, what that impacts, I mean, everything. So I think all of that makes a lot of sense. And I'm, I feel like I've never heard product page improvement, product page practices, uh, product page refresh, refreshment when talked about in the lens of like, how did we know we should really do it? And I yeah. think this was such a cool topic and I so appreciate you coming on and talking about this, but it like two metrics that I look at a lot as a PPC person 
I look at the search query performance dashboard and I look at the brand metrics dashboard and I talk a lot about it in like the lens of PPC. It's like, okay, what can we do PPC wise to influence this? Or how can we maybe push up an organic ranking with some of this data? But I think like adding another lens here to say like, Hey, these are product page indicators that we could potentially use as a data point to say like something is wrong with our product page. And like, now we know definitively, like we have a way below average conversion rate, um, or we're getting the returns with that product not described properly, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so I think, I, I hope this is a, I'm sure this has been super helpful to so many spreadsheet heads, data junkies <laughs> that uh, normally do a lot of nitty gritty PPC stuff. And just, like I said, like <laughs> freeze when it comes to product page optimization. Um, yeah. So Badger Nation, thanks you very much for coming on and, and uh, helping craft this, this episode. So Emma, Marketing by Emma, it's very easy, very, very Googleable, memorable company name. Uh, I do have to ask in your logo, and you also have it over your left shoulder. This is marketing by Emma. Is that your actual signature? Uh, I mean, my actual signature is a scribble. That's like <laughs> when I write my name in cursive. That's what it looks like, and it uh, is my handwriting in both in uh, both cases. Um, like a, a friend from college actually designed our logo, um, and so like I took a picture. Uh, like I just wrote out by Emma and then yeah. sent it to him and he digitized it. It's so. amazing. And then you also have <laughs> claim your Amazon analysis, like a little play on words, Amazon, Amazon. Uh, yes. I'm a big fan of, uh, you know, having a little fun. Uh, if we're not having know, fun. Yeah. Exactly. You can't take yourself too seriously. And if this is how we're spending our days, then might as well find opportunities to, Smile, laugh, have a little fun. Well, amen to that, uh, which is why it's such a blast having you on the show. Emma from Marketing by Emma. Have a good one. And uh, everyone else, I'll see you next time here on the PPC Den Podcast.